Again, say the word really, not real. It's not real good. It's really good. It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, hey, welcome to episode 43, the R.A. Dickey edition of the podcast. Man, the Blue Jays really thought they were striking gold when they acquired him after a Cy Young season from the Mets. It's not as if R.A. was bad in Toronto, but he didn't exactly dominate. I always felt that he would give up a run, the half inning after the Jays would score a run, and it would drive me absolutely crazy. I'm sure there's some stats somewhere that track pitchers' earned run average in such situations, but I'm not aware of it. Seriously, he did it all the time, I, I think. If only there was a stats guy that could figure that out, eh? Hmm. One of my favorite memories of him was when manager John Gibbons took him out of a playoff game after four and two-thirds innings, which meant he couldn't get the win, and fans were so butthurt over it. They apparently thought it was so, so mean of Gibby that he wasn't able to complete a potential victory Oh, boo-hoo, baby. This is professional sports we're talking here. Suck it up. Yeah, well, this is handmade quality shit we're talking here. This is Masters Week, which originally was supposed to happen in the traditional April time slot, but it was postponed. On the upshot, we now have two Masters tournaments in half a year. I figured no better person to have on the pod to discuss Magnolia Lane and the patrons at Augusta National than a past guest. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, and now welcome on recurring guest... Adam Skelly, oh, the beautiful sound of the Masters playing. I just can't get enough of that. He's the producer and host of Golf Talk Canada on TSN, and he'll be producing this week's Masters. We obviously need to discuss this week's tournament, and I'm sure we'll veer off into some other Bachelorette discussion, other tangents, as it were. Welcome back to the H-Dog Pog, Adam. You know what, Michael? First of all, thank you so much for having me. And this music, it's just calming. It's just... If you're having a bad day, those listening on the subway or your living room or you're walking your dog right now, you just take a deep breath uh, and exhale because it is Masters Week. And I am so excited. Coming into this, like even even last week for the Houston Open, I was like, yeah, the Masters next week, it's going to be great. But then as soon as the final putt finished and guys on Twitter were going, oh, it's Masters Week and the Masters Twitter account has done just a great job of posting these sort of 30-second to two-minute-long videos of just generic-looking shots of Augusta National in November. I am fired up. I'm almost as fired up as you and I were together when we took down Team Bolta in the TSN Ryder <laughs> Cup in October of 2014. That's how excited I am for this. That was already 2014, man. Time flies. Uh, we are old. I've, I've well, beaten, well, you're old. But, yeah. Well, yeah, well, obviously. I've beaten Bolta with so many different partners that uh, it's just it's just like, wait, which year was that again? Like It, it just happens so often, and it just ruins his life. And I know it does, and I, I couldn't be more thrilled about that. <laughs> yeah you know what it was one of the greatest memories of my golfing career and you know for those who didn't see it on espn 8 the ocho I, I believe there's a 30 for 30 coming out i want to say in the next year or seven about that very match well, you were seven very specific uh you were mm-hmm. supposed to have gone to the masters this year had happened yeah. uh, in april uh, of course the covid19 pandemic pushed the tournament back uh how soul crushing was that for you speaking of soul crushing you know what? At the time, it was incredibly soul-crushing. I mean, the, the COVID world has been strange for everyone, and uh, especially that week in April when things were still incredibly shut down, where we're recording this in the GTA, 
it was it was great to watch all those great masters rewinds the week of, but it was still like, oh my god, I should have been there, walking the grounds. Hopefully, uh, I get to go in April. That would be incredible to go there. And I, honestly, like if if I got if I got to go on that property, and I'm sure you feel the same. I might just start crying. I don't know. Like it's just like holy ground. I don't know. I, would would you be the same thing? Do you think? Holy Grail. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I would say I probably will not start crying. I would start crying if I played, however, and I made a uh, 15 on the first hole, which I assume I would. <laughs> no, you would hit a high, nasty bomb off the right bunker, a little peel left. You have the 170 in, hit that. You probably missed the green from there because you'd be so jacked up about hitting the fairway. And then you'd hit it in the bunker, you blade that over the green, and then chip that in for par. Oh, wow. That, uh, I like it. I'll take that uh, my, for my <laughs> only part of the day, probably. Uh, yeah, no, it'd be, uh, uh, hopefully one day we both are, uh, podcasting or hosting from the masters there. That would just yes. be a, a truly exceptional moment. It uh, would. Speaking of exceptional moments, great segue, Michael, mm. uh, mm. last year's masters champion, Tiger Woods, a win for the ages again. Uh, do you think he has any chance to, at all this week? Like I know he's won here five times, but he's mm. been really, really bad. Well, but before I answer the question, I, I must tell you that what, while doing this podcast interview, I, I have turned on last year's Masters. So I am fully enthrottled and in the Masters mode. Francesco Molinari is hitting his approach into five right now. He's walking after it. That's eh, a little short. Did anyway, you say, did you answer, say enthrottled, by the way, instead of enthralled? Pretty sure you said enthrottled. Uh, I don't, did I, I, you'd have to, yep, maybe in post you can scroll the tape back <laughs> and, and make fun of me. I am fully enthrottled and in the master's mode. Uh, anyway, yeah, so to answer your question about Tiger Woods, God knows, man. I mean, I, I look back to in May when we were actually watching together at a socially distance, of course, the, the match, the Tiger, Phil, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady match when Tiger was swinging it great. And I know it was an exhibition match. I know it's a course he's played a trillion times, but the way he was swinging it on that day in particular, he was free flowing. Everyone was saying, holy crap, Tiger Woods, he's back. He's swinging it so well. Mm-hmm. And then he comes, he plays his best finish since the pandemic pause, a T37, just incredibly mediocre at the U.S. Open. He just didn't look right. And then at Zozo, when everyone was going really, really low, not real low, yes. really, really, really low. Again, say the word really, not real. It's not real good. It's really good. Thank you for uh, clarifying on that. Absolutely. Everyone says it real good nowadays. It drives me insane. Yeah. Yeah, he he didn't have good. He doesn't have good form right now. I'm really curious to see what happens at Augusta National. I thought if it was going to play a little cooler, like you, many of us thought would have happened in November, but the temperatures, at least as of now, look pretty darn good in terms of heat throughout the week. There is going to be some rain uh, probably on the Thursday at Augusta National. Unfortunately, if it was cold, I think Tiger would have no chance given his back, his soreness, stiffness, etc. Mm-hmm. But because there's going to be some, it's going to be warm. I mean, the way Tiger is right now, and from a value perspective, 45 to one, like to me, Michael, that's still an auto bet. No, I mean, I obviously will be doing it because it's Tiger Woods. Uh, you know, I, there's no question. But if it weren't Tiger Woods' name to it, you would, you would it should be probably double that. Like in, in reality, at yeah. least double yeah. that, if not triple that. Uh, will I, again? Will I be the sucker to do it? Absolutely, a million percent. I will be uh, doing that bet. But I don't know. Forty-five to one just doesn't see. I know he's won there five times. I know, I know he won last year. I know it's a limited field. 
In terms yeah. of another major, I hope I'm completely wrong. I'm going to say like T32nd this week, something like that maybe. No, no, you did mention limited fields. And Tiger, as we have discussed at length, has excelled in limited fields since yes. coming back from this latest back injury. All three of his victories in limited fields. So, I mean, why not? But, you know, to, to go to your previous point about if he was anyone else but Tiger Woods, you look at a guy like Phil Mickelson, for example. He's won here three times. He has two wins on PGA Tour champions. Can't hit a fairway for his life on the PGA Tour right now because he is trying to hit some bombs to the next level. He's 100 to 1 right now. So it's, it's tough to think. But you know what? I know we'll both be uh, putting a little dollars on, or some dollars, I should say, on Tiger this week. And hopefully he can uh, get off to a good start and not shoot himself out of the tournament on Thursday. The It's funny you say that about Phil. Uh, I might actually even be able to be talked into that. It's funny how round numbers sometimes can change uh, perceptions of things. Like, if you were to tell me he was 80 to 1 or 90 to 1, eh, eh, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't. Which is funny, mm-hmm. ironic, because I hate milestones so much, but essentially that round number is essentially a milestone. But 100 to 1... I might be able to be talked into that for two bucks or something like that. But uh, it doesn't, yeah. he doesn't need to uh, hit fairways. It's the Masters. They don't need to hit fairways ever, really. So uh, he's fine for that. So, And like if Bernhard Langer and Fred Couples and these types of guys can compete well into their late 50s, as long as they're healthy, Tiger and Phil, just out of uh, you know, muscle memory alone, should be able to have at least a, a decent shot. But I don't know. I, I, I just Tiger has been, like we said, he's just been, he's been wretched beyond belief. Ooh. Now, so let, let me ask you this: Do you like who finishes better this week, Tiger or Phil? <sighs> That's a good question, uh, Adam. Uh, or do they tie and go to a fifty-four hole playoff? <laughs> uh, I would say uh, Tiger Woods actually finishes better than Phil. I'm gonna yeah. say Phil is gonna be like forty-seventh or something like that. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. What I really hope is that we see some super low scoring in the third round. Like we saw last year, so many guys making the move a couple 64s in the third round last year, Patrick Cantley, Webb Simpson, Tony Finau. Hopefully we see some, some fireworks. Yeah. At uh, the Masters. When you, you mentioned that, cause uh, I was just thinking about how the, the, the 16th hole, uh, you know, people were making birdies there on that Saturday. And it got me thinking that two different things that I always rant about mm. with the masters, uh, maybe not a huge rant, but, the water on the 16th hole is completely useless there. There's like one guy a week that goes in the water there. Uh, especially Greg the pin- Norman, then, 96. Yeah, Greg Norman. Trevor Immelman, who had actually he ended up withdrawing this week. He also went in the water there, but, and he won, though. But uh, especially in the Sunday uh, flag location, all you have to do is put the ball way up to the right, and it'll trickle down to the left. So nobody ever goes in the water there. So why even have the water hazard? I wish there was a ho- uh, whole location where it came into play, maybe front uh, left. Yeah, you know, that's a really interesting point about Augusta National because they have the ability to, quite frankly, do whatever they want to the golf course and change it, and it looks pristine a day later. But yeah, that water hazard, it's, it's strange. You know, it, it, you wonder if they could, I don't, I don't know, like, would, would you want to make the green bigger? Would you move the green a little bit? I don't know, but, you know, that, that left pin location, we saw two aces in the final round last year with Justin Thomas and Bryson DeChambeau who we can't really recognize anymore from last year because DeChambeau was put on all that weight. He looks like a different human being. Uh, I, I, that, that 16th hole, though, in terms of hole locations, they can really move it around. Like Generally, Thursday and Sunday is where a lot of the scoring happens. And then if they move it anywhere near the top right of the green, players seldom make birdie, although Tiger Woods, ever heard of him, did make birdie in the, fi- in the third round in 20... Sorry, last year in the mm-hmm. third round, mm-hmm. about six feet, he walked in a putt. But, uh, you know, on, on that back nine, there's some great holes, and uh, that's a very interesting point about the water, i got to tell you. 
Well, thank you very much for that, Adam. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, same thing on the back nine as well. The uh, Amen Corner uh, holds yeah. 11, 12, 13, the, you know, the, the best stretch at Augusta National. It's pro- I know it's because they, they, they would say it gets too dark, and I guess it's far enough away from a clubhouse, so that's why they, do, they don't do it. But a Masters playoff should be a three-hole playoff, not just one hole, 11, 12, 13, your three biggest holes. That would be incredible. So are, are you saying total? Like it's a three-hole no matter what, a la, a la the Open Championship? Well, the Open Championship's four, PGA's three, but uh, yeah, right. yeah, three-hole playoff. Because I, I also, uh, even outside of it being A-man corner, I hate that a major could be one on, on one playoff hole. I think that's a little bit silly, too. Now, if, if, forgive me if I'm incorrect, but the U.S. Open, they've changed the two holes, right? Yeah, two holes, which is... Which is weird? Yeah, that's... Uh, like I said, three, isn't three and four, like, I think that that's perfect. Uh, I don't understand. Yeah. Six holes? That's I don't true. know. That might be too many, but two just seems like a weird, like, we don't want it to be mm-hmm. one, but we don't want to copy the other two. It just seems strange to me. Maybe they should just change it at the winner. It's just a tie. They should just change it to that. What do you think about that play? Wow. Well, you, I, I'd look at Bernhard Langer. Speaking of him, uh, back in the day, he had a tournament. He co-tied it uh, with uh, Colin Montgomery. They just said, ah, it's dark. Well, we both won. <laughs> I think it was in the 70s or 80s. I, I saw that on his, on his profile. I'm like, what? That's just that's oh, wow. hilarious to think about. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that would be, I don't know. I think it would be kind of neat to have a, a three-hole playoff at the A-Man Corner. Like, I know it would be, I guess, a trek for people to get out there. But find a way, Augusta National. Find a way, please. I'm sure I'm sure they could find a way. No problem. Absolutely. No questions asked. Uh, so yeah, who are your picks uh, to click then? Uh, we're saying Tiger and Phil probably not. Hopefully look like we look like morons and they play really, really well. Uh, who are your guys that you're uh, thinking about this week? Yeah, and, and my first pick is someone who I know you were close to making a lot of moolah last year, and that is Xander Shoffley. It's Thanks. hard not I'd, to pick. Yeah, I had to bring it up. Yeah, I, I wrote him down too, actually. I was going to pick him also. Yeah, I, uh, you know what, Xander Shoffley, you know, from purely an odds perspective, 14 to 1 at this point mm. in some betting books, he's, he's the sixth favorite. I really think for a guy who's played 13 majors and has seven top tens, that's pretty good. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good. That's a, that's a good little run here for Xander Shoffley. Even looking back to last year, the 2019 Masters starts off with a 1 over 73, rallies the troops, goes 65, 68, 70. I might have those backwards. Anyway, he um, he started off 1 over, finished T2, one shot behind Tiger. Xander Shoffley is the guy I'm going to be putting the most scratch on this week, pre-week anyway. Really? I think, uh, I think Michael, yeah, I, I, um, I was talking to a couple people today, and I, I, I think, you know, I'll, I'll put some dollars on probably three or four players pre-tournament, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm sure I'm sure you and I will have some discussions on our on our success that we've had uh, on a couple of different other bets, but Xander Shoffley is my favorite. Uh, who are you leading towards? Uh, I, I love uh, Shoffley just in terms of picking him for pools and different th- things like that. I don't love like fourteen to one to bet on him outright yeah. right away. Like he at, at some point is he be turning into Ricky Fowler in terms of all these like close calls at these majors but not winning them. Like it's not mm. it's not as uh, pronounced I would say as Ricky when he had like, you know all those close chances and then that one year where he finished uh, was a top five in all four. Yep, but, 2014. Um, yep. At some point, you're not winning these. It's just like, okay, at what point does it become like, okay, he's getting close, but he's not winning. So then 14 and 1 is like, ah, I just can't bring myself to actually bet that, if I'm honest. But yeah, last year, yeah. I got him at 100 to 1. Every other betting book had him at 33 to 1. This one, my bookie, for some reason, someone was asleep at the wheel, put him at 100 to 1, which was insane. 
that's obviously an auto bet. Uh, and then, yeah, he finished one shot short. Oh, it was so close. That would have been, uh, that would have been almost three grand Canadian, which would have been absolutely incredible. Oh. But yeah. Yeah. That, that, that would have been, that would have been, that would have been incredible. And, you know, even looking at some of these odds here, um, even a guy like Patrick Cantley, who he's not, maybe not the, you know, yeah, I, I'm with you there. He, and, and actually, too. Yeah. he did have a chance. He had the lead for about nine minutes on the, on Sunday. And, and we were watching together when he won a couple of weeks back, came from behind, uh, to beat Justin Thomas and John Rom. 25 to one pretty good odds but yeah. I, I, yeah, you know yeah i i just i, I can't bring myself to cheer for Patrick no exactly uh, i'm actually glad i got a matthew wolf uh to win the masters in like i think it was like june or something or maybe even before that i did a future on matthew wolf to uh, to win the masters five bucks to win 500 so he was 100 to one uh, that uh, is proven to be quite uh quite a, of a solid bet now because what's he what's he looking at he's 40 to one right now so that was a good future yeah Fourth at the PGA, and then uh, second at the U.S. Open. Uh, unbelievably, he just got beaten by Bryson DeChambeau. But I know he's a Masters rookie. No Masters rookie has won there since '79. Fuzzy Zeller. But uh, if anyone can do it, like he's shown up big time in the big events this year. So, yeah, you know he's really showed up at the at the big events, definitely. And one thing about Augusta National and, and putters, you know, Matthew Wolf. Some say he's not the best putter, but I, I think he's a lot better than people think. And for for those put guys who sort of kind of wave at the ball like they're not the firmest of putters like they, they try to die it into the frontal hole instead of hitting it into the back of the hole sort of thing um a guy like matthew wolf could be totally fine in that sense because all the putts not all the putts a lot of the putts are at augusta national can be down slopes or you know incredibly downhill or very undulating or you're playing a significant amount of break so guys who sort of wave at it per se for example Adam Scott, Sergio Garcia, guys who never have been the greatest putters can have a lot of success. Yes, it's Matthew Wolf's first time at the event, but in terms of a value play, I I might be in in you know if let's say he gets off to an even or one under start and is I don't know t twenty four after the first round, I I might uh, springboard on him and try to uh, try to win some dollars. Oh, by the way, all the Masters music is back. Oh boy, <gasps> tremendous! What a what a great touch uh, to have that. Oh, it's so wonderful. What a gusto! Now, now, now as, as you hear this music, do you think? What do you think Jim Nance's monologue is going to be like? Is he going to have a pumpkin spice latte? I think, is, Nick, uh, is Nick Faldo? Yeah, what's going to happen when uh, when uh, Matthew Wolf wins? He'll say a wolf in sheep's clothing, whatever the expression <laughs> is. Uh, I think that's the expression. Uh, I do miss Jim Nance's flowery uh, calls whenever I think someone might have told him, dude, just uh, dial it back a bit, which I don't like. I like his ridiculously corny uh, puns. Those were those were always amazing to me. There it is, as grand as it gets. A couple things you uh, you were talking about bad putters. You were saying Adam Scott. I really thought you were saying going to say Adam Scully. I really I, I thought that's where you're going with that. Uh, well, you, you're not wrong. I, I am just a <laughs> abysmal putter at, at the best of times. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. Uh, and you also said Sergio Garcia, who, along with Joaquin Neiman, aren't playing because of COVID. I actually also yeah. had a, a, a future on Joaquin Neiman. Same thing, 100 to 1, 5 bucks again. Uh, it's usually always a small amount of money I'll place on these guys. And uh, I was like, okay, here we go. Joaquin, he had a chance a couple months ago. Like, not bad. And then, yeah, uh, the, the, pull, the rug was pulled right out from underneath me. Uh, when I was told by uh, our buddy Rico that, uh, yeah, he had to withdraw from COVID. Uh, and now Sergio, who are some of your dark horses? Uh, I'm talking about like at least 66 to 1 to, to longer. I have a couple that I, I wrote down here that I, I'm intrigued by. 
Okay, so lower than 66 to 1. So one of the guys that I had written down, and I, I'm definitely putting some uh, some scratch into this week, if you will, is Paul Casey. Mm. So right now he is at 70 to 1. Mm. He's had a pretty darn good career at the Masters with five top 10s. He's also had some pretty good form as of late. Just came up just short to Colin Morikawa at the PGA Championship, tied for second with Dustin Johnson. Also, kind of a quiet T17 finish at the U.S. Open at Wingfoot. Paul Casey's a guy that I'm really looking at, you know, to make some noise. He's had a lot of really good finishes at Augusta, aside from those top tens as well. Sort of, he was a guy I was looking at prior to last year's tournament as well and missed the cut. He was awful on the first day playing with Kepka and Spieth and just sort of, he was just abysmal. So Paul Casey is one of the players I'm certainly looking at. And I, I know there's a couple on your mind, including someone who had one arm in the jacket, some could say last year, and then he stepped on the 12th hole. Yeah. Well, before we get to him, uh, actually another guy just like uh, Paul Casey that uh, always is so good at the Masters, lost to Sergio in a playoff, Justin Rose. Last year also missed the cut like him, which was super weird. It's the first time he's ever missed a cut there, which was bizarre. He's also 66 to 1 this week, so I like him uh, a lot on that one. But yeah, Francesco Molinari, who was who you're alluding to there, uh, 100 to 1 to win the Masters, led on the second nine last year at this tournament, 100 to 1. And last week he was T15 at Houston. So I know he's only played twice since the pandemic uh, stoppage. So that's not a lot of, uh, but T15, pretty darn good. That course wasn't easy. For 101, sign me up every single time there. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. It, you know, Francesco Molinari is sort of the great unknown. I know he was moving uh, different spots during the, or moving to a new place, I should say, during the early portions of COVID. And that's why we never really saw him for the first month and a half, two months since the PGA Tour restarted. Uh, I have another long shot pick. He's not. I, I'm not sure if you qualify him even as a long shot. He's 55 to one. Your boy Louis Oosthuizen. He's he's had a lot of good finishes at Augusta. He had, had his heart broken by Bubba back in 2012 after that miraculous shot from the trees. The U.S. Open a couple weeks ago, he was great there, runner-up in all four majors. But it's sort of as we've talked about at length before throughout our years of knowing each other. Quite frankly, for Louis Oosthuizen, it's sort of is is he going to care that week? Is he going to show up and and play and sort of sort of want to be there? Because his swing when you see him play, like it looks impeccable. Absolutely. Uh, it's actually kind of, uh, I thought about this last year, but Louie, uh, and I love him and he's broken my heart many times. Yeah. He, like you said, that second place finish in the playoff in 2012, it's actually a bit of a misnomer. And I also thought this too, that he's also played really, really well at Augusta. That's his only top 10 he's ever had there. Now he hasn't been bad. He's, you know, T29 last year, T12, T41, T15, T19, 25. Those are the last uh, several ones. So it's not like he's been horrible there, but it just feels like Louis Ustazen has played better at, at the Masters, I guess, because that one year, but, uh, Gosh, I would love for him to to do it, but it, it just feels like it's just there's just so many times where he just falls up just a bit short. So disappointing. Actually, I want to throw it a extreme long shot just for a first round leader, though, because there's no way. Jose this, Maria Olacabal. <laughs> no, uh, same breath as him, though, kind of. Uh, also won two Masters. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about for all four rounds. I'm just saying for the very first round at 250 to one to be the first round leader, Bernhard Langer. Wow. You can, okay. You can call. You can convince me. Uh, I, well, I can convince myself, I suppose, to throw four dollars on that for a thousand. That Bernhard Langer, as he often does, can sum up the strengths to play well at Augusta for at least one round. Obviously, not going to do it for all four days. 
Yeah, I mean, and he's he showed some good form on PGA Tour Champions uh, again for the 97th straight year. And yeah, I I would be that'd be that'd be cool, Bernhard Langer. You know what? And and people may laugh at this, but even like Mike Weir's played well on PGA Tour Champions this year. Had the duel with Bill Nicholson a couple of weeks ago. A couple other strong finishes as well. Why for a first round leader? If if you want to play, get a little risque. Why not? He's had a couple of um like relatively okay starting uh first rounds at the Masters the last. Uh, yeah, I want to say maybe two or three at most. There hasn't been ton uh, lately, but like he'll have a round where it's like 70 or 72. You're like, okay, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. And then like just completely implodes for the, uh, for the second round. But he actually has had a couple of all right starts. And by the way, Michael, we're 350 to one to be the first round leader uh, for the masters. If you are, uh, want to do that bet. Now, now an- another guy, there was some news earlier Monday released um, Jimmy Walker. To win outright, seven fifty to one. He's got a new caddy on the bag this week. Did you see that news, Michael? He has Jim Bones Mackay on the bag. Oh no way! Interesting. Former yeah. caddy, of course, of Phil Mickelson. Yeah, and and a great broadcaster on NBC. He was also caddying for Justin Thomas earlier this summer when his current looper was on the injury reserve. Some would should say with some sort of injury. I don't know, but I mean, good for Jimmy Walker. Matt you know, it, 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 it's interesting. It's interesting as well, because uh, I was thinking back to when Jimmy Walker won his lone major in 2016. And we actually worked on that together. Yeah. That was just like, come on, Jimmy Walker, just get out of here. Like, I think if I'm not mistaken, he was like leader or co-leader after all, every single day. And I was like, okay, Jimmy, like get out of here. Like he had your first round lead. Come on. And then it's just like, <laughs> Really? Come on, dude. Like, what is going on? And then almost this incredible comeback for Jason Day, which would have been amazing. And then, yeah, it's just he gets made it a little bit more interesting at the end, Walker, but then he got it done by one, I believe it was. And that was actually, speaking of calls about, about Jim Nance that weren't flowery, his call was so bad. Usually, uh, if you're doing a highlight pack for it, you always uh, allow the announcer to say the awesome call at the end, so you sound it up. And it was so bad, I said to the, the highlight manager, I said, we can't sound that up. It was just like, and Jimmy Walker wins the PGA or something like that. It was just so boring. I was like, come on, Jim Nance. What the hell, man? It was brutal. Yeah, he, he mailed that in. And, you know, and, and you mentioned Jason Day there coming off a pretty solid finish at Houston from a fantasy or betting perspective. I have my 40 to 1 here. What are your thoughts on Jason Day heading to this week? Another guy who's had success at, at the Masters. I definitely also was uh, thinking about him, and I almost for sports betting dime uh, almost wrote him in, in my article uh, by end up mm-hmm. doing Wolf Rose and Molinari. But uh, also a slight misnomer, like he had, to, I think he had two runner ups at the Masters, but that's been a long time ago. Surprisingly, not as great the Masters as it seems like it has been. I'm going to pull up the stats here for a sec. Uh, yep. Uh, and the other thing, of course, a couple of tournaments ago, what was he like? like five shots or four shots off the league going to the final round. And then he had to withdraw with a back injury. It's always like a, with Jason Day, you're like, oh boy, like, I don't know about this guy. Uh, so yeah, second yeah. in 2011, third actually uh, in 2013. He's never finished second twice. He was T fifth last year. Yeah. Okay. Pretty good. Pretty good uh, masters results, but nothing just the one top 10, uh, uh, sorry, two top tens in the last six. So uh, 40 to one, not bad, but I'm just always worried that guy's going to get injured again. Well, you know, even if you think back to last year, moments before teeing up, it, teeing it up in the first round, he goes to give his little daughter a kiss, and his back just goes out. Yeah. You know, of all ways to get injured, he, he was stretched out a couple of times and barely made it through because 
for those who have been to Augusta National, as, as they tell us all the time, it's so undulating. There's so much elevation there. It's, it's a tough golf course just to walk, but to play it in that that sense, I mean, it, as we always say, beware of the injured golfer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Jay Day at 40 to 1, he might be another guy similar to a Matthew Wolf where you know, could reassess after the first round or say they make the cut on the number sort of thing where maybe you sprinkle in some some odds for the weekend. Absolutely. Uh, that's definitely someone on my radar uh, without question. Uh, before we pivot off golf, I know i uh, got to get you out of here. You're a busy and important man, so you have stuff on the go. Um, you know what, you, you know, uh, Michael, I must tell you that I, I now have another probably probably about five to seven more minutes of, of a lot of time than I originally told you. So that's that's good. <laughs> Wow, very specific. Uh, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but what's uh, uh, such a pressing thing going on that's happening, or do you not want to answer that? That just sounds very interesting. No, you, you know, um, yeah, no comment. No, you know what? I've, <laughs> I've got a lot of things going on right now with the, the, the Masters World happening, the, the junior hockey, the show I also produce on, on TSN radio. We've got a little call happening. It's just been pushed back another 10 or another 10 minutes or so. So, uh, getting ready for some interviews. We're, uh, we're going to be speaking with some of the prospective returnees for the Canadian World Junior Team throughout the year, and, and we've got an interview lined up with one Bowen Byram, Colorado Avalanche prospect, and that's supposed that was going to happen at 4, and now it's going to happen closer to 4.15, 1 p.m. Pacific, 1, 10 p.m. Pacific for those at West. <sighs> What, what did you say? Ten PM Pacific? What? What? I, I don't. I don't know. I, it's I probably one fifteen. You said you said four fifteen's a call. Then you said one PM uh, Pacific, which so is no. And I then you said I ten four, PM. Four fifteen Eastern, <sighs> one fifteen Pacific. There we go. We got to it. We got to it. Yeah. <laughs> I want you if they do happen to call during this. I want you to say just scream at them. Yo, I'm on the H Dog Pod. Get the hell out of here, man. I want you to get very yeah. upset with them, please. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll 100% do that. <laughs> before we pivot off golf, one last thing. Yeah. I've asked you this a few times about golf, and you insist that you would win this, and I think you're an absolute moron <laughs> for it. So uh, I, I also pose this to people listening if they happen to like golf. So I said, I give Adam Skelly a 100-stroke lead at the beginning of a four-round PGA Tour event, a 100-shot lead. at say not at a tournament where par is going to be winning. So say the winning score is like minus 20, for example, in Vegas mm-hmm. or something like that. Will he uh, be able to hold on to essentially an 80-shot lead over the course of four days? He insists he absolutely would win. I say no chance you would withdraw after pooping your pants after about three holes. Okay. That, Respond. I, yeah, you know what? I, I don't think I would poop my pants, so to speak. I definitely would. But, uh, I mean, it's possible. I mean, it depends what I ate the night before or the morning of. But, yeah, I mean, 100 shots, so if 20 under, so – Okay, like, yeah, I could do that. Yeah. So you're I saying on a PJ Tour event, you could shoot 20 over every single day, or one 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 shot better than that. So uh, 20 over, 20 over, 20 over, 19 over, and you could win by shooting like 92 every single day. I genuinely believe I could do that. No, not a chance. Especially with PJ Tour players competing. If there's a uh, galleries there as well, I know you're obviously an exceptional, exceptional golfer. Clearly, I would have. <laughs> No chance in a million years. I know that you're way better than me, but oh man, I would love now, to, I would love to see you in the scenario though. I really would. Okay, first of all, I wouldn't say way better. Second of all, if you were caddying for me, how would you change my odds? Well, then clearly you you'd win you would win by like uh, ninety strokes. I think you would go ten better than everyone else actually. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Well, well I mean, I, I think I, I think we should set this up. We'll, we'll get out to Augusta. We'll, we'll throw the, uh, the 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 jumpsuit on you. 
and uh, we'll do do some rigorous training both on and off the golf course, and uh, and we'll figure it out. But I just want to clarify that because I, I almost sound like an idiot there. But I said you had a hundred shot lead, and then you'd win by uh, by beat them by ten strokes by ninety. That almost doesn't make any sense. But I was assuming they would shoot twenty under, to which you would yes. shoot ten under par. So then, yeah, you would uh, only win by ninety strokes there. Mm. Uh, sure. we must, uh, I'd be remiss not to discuss the bachelorette, uh, for those who have not watched, uh, the episode, uh, was it episode, episode four, I think on Thursday, uh, we'll take a momentary pause here for one sec. This is the final rose tonight. Are you ready? Okay. Uh, come back uh, to listen to the episode. What are your thoughts <laughs> on what's going on with, uh, Claire and, uh, well, you and know, Dale? where, where to begin? I mean, it's, it's too bad in the sense that everyone knew this was coming. Everyone knew, everyone saw on social media, you know, that, that there was going to be some dramatics and that this Dale guy was going to show up and basically steal her away and, and steal her heart. Some should say, or would say, but, um, I, I gotta say the last episode, episode four that aired this past Thursday, in terms of general overall spiciness in bachelor history, that, that was up there in terms of like the way Uncle Harrison was interacting. He had many different sit-down interviews throughout the show. He swore a couple times, which <laughs> you never see Uncle Harrison do. I, I thought it was riveting the, the, the way they set it up, and you know, think to think of this all, the, the fact that a they, they figured out another bachelorette to come. B, she had to quarantine, obviously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So imagine for all these guys who showed up, they quarantine. It's the middle of a pandemic. The bachelorette, Claire, falls in love and gets engaged after four episodes, which you would think in real time is, what, 10 days, 12 days? At the absolute most. Like They must think they're getting the raw deal. And, and, and that's what Chris Harrison even said. He's like, you guys are getting a little cheated. So we're giving you all a second chance. And that's where I'm really curious to see where this season goes from here. I mean, I wonder, are they going to bring some of the guys back? Are the guys still there? Are some guys going to have trouble breaking breaking their heart away from Claire, if you will? It's, uh, I mean, it's going to be great to see. And I'm curious as well, why are they airing these on Tuesday night? Why are they on a Monday nights? I mean, I, I know you never watch live because you're working, but to me, that's, that. you know, the, the Monday night Bachelor time slot was just a mainstay you know football i think it's uh football maybe i know i guess uh, it's on espn the nfl maybe, maybe they don't want to go against that is my guess i'm not entirely oh. sure because i'm pretty sure abc and espn are in in bed together i think or at least they used to be anyway so maybe That's there's something point. there I, i'm not entirely sure obviously thursday last thursday was because of the election that the election that by the way that took about ten thousand years to uh it's not officially yes. officially official yet is it but it uh, just absolutely just bizarre that's taken this long um it really has yeah by the way you said uh chris harrison once instead of uncle i'm very upset about that uh i uh, i actually think that uh, at what point did they say like you said if, uh, the four weeks of the show was probably like 10 days at what point did they say claire and dale like we're together because in theory taisha was gonna have to come she had to come to the the production of the show there's no way she would have quarantined for 14 days because the claire thing clearly wasn't done in 14 days. It probably was even shorter than that. So the whole time frame of the events doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. I think they basically yeah, quarantined her for a day instead of the 14 days is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I'm really curious to see what happens. And, you know, the the teaser into episode five and as, you know, the Bachelor, the Bachelor series, the way they promote their upcoming episodes are 
amazing. They're unbelievable. Like they, they do them so well. And, um, you know, they, they promoted a little teaser with, with Claire and Dale sitting it in the same sort of format as an after the final rose. And I, uncle Harrison asked the question if, if they were speaking before, if they had chatted before going on the show and they swore vehemently on the sh- last week that they had not spoken before. And I think we might see a different story on Tuesday. There is no chance in a million years. They didn't talk beforehand. No chance at of all. Of course they did. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it's so funny. Uh, I was also thinking, would they bring guys back who might have eliminated, but again, same situation you would think anyway, although I guess they probably went against it with Tasha with the uh, quarantining. You would think they would say no because they've been gone for, I don't know how long it would have been again, five, eight days. So you wouldn't think they'd be able to insert them back into the show. But you know what? I'm sure they're not actually following strictest of strict protocols with this. So uh, they might they might be back. But yeah, there's no chance that Claire and Dale weren't talking well beforehand. Uh, that just seems crazy to me. A hundred percent in this day and age of Instagram, DM and FaceTime and Zoom. They, they probably were already in love before the show started. Yeah, They were probably already engaged before the <laughs> show started. Well, it's interesting because with before knowing that the whole deal was, you know, it sounded as if people were saying, and then they might have been, they might have just covered their own asses a little bit. It sounded as if like producers were pissed that uh, Claire and Dale basically called off the season like four episodes in. That's the way it, it was framed to me anyway when I first read that story a long time ago. But now the way they make it look like on TV, it's like, oh, it's amazing. It was your love story. We're so happy for you. In reality, they're probably behind the scenes incredibly, incredibly mad. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's it's been it's been an unforgettable season. Twenty twenty has been a weird year, and this season's been weird thus far. But I know I'll be tuning in on Tuesday night, and I know you'll be tuning in at a time that isn't live. But you'll definitely be tuning in. I always appreciate uh, you reaching out and having me on the H Dog Pod. And quite frankly, it is an honor to be on this podcast <laughs> to speak with you. Before I go, though, I want to ask you a question, sure. Michael. Yes. Four Canadian four Canadians in the field. Who was the best week? Oh man, name the name the kids. So we had Corey Connors, Adam Hadwin. So we, have, we, we got Corey Weir. Connors at one fifty to one. We got Adam Hadwin at two fifty to one. Nick Taylor, we Mike Weir. Right? Nick Taylor at six hundred to one, <laughs> and Mike Weir at a whole lot more. Wow, uh, I, I'll go with Corey Connors on that one. I know he's probably you know uh, that probably isn't the the, the uh, although he can't putt at all. <laughs> I love the guy, but yeah. he's not very good at putting. But he's just so good at ball striking. I think he'll be able to get away with it, and you know maybe finish. I'm gonna say T18 is what I'm gonna say for him. Oh, okay, okay. Well, his, his best previous finish is a T46. I, I'm gonna go with Adam Hadwin here, and I think we should wager uh, a lot of money on this together. Maybe a, a couple, you know. I was going to say 600,000, but 500,000 works fine. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds uh, that sounds good to me. Uh, and of course, it'll be Mike Weir. Uh, he'll, he's going to win the tournament. Yes. So. Yes, he will. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Adam, for uh, being on the H Dog Pod, recurring character, Adam Scully. And we'll talk to you soon. Bang. Sounds good, my man. Can't wait. Bang. Bye. That was a blast, as always, talking to Adam Scully about the Masters and the Bachelorette. This master's music is just absolutely soothing, and I love it so, so much. Perhaps I was trying to fool Adam with some of my picks because we're in a golf pool together for the masters, so I might have been throwing him off the scent a little bit. At least that's my narrative if the players I selected perform poorly. Thank you for listening to episode 43 of the H-Dog Pod, and enjoy the masters. Bang! This has been the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Mm-bang. Mm-bang. Mm-bang.